Welcome to Season 2 of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. This season is dedicated to interviews with mayoral and city council candidates running for the city of Powell River within the Cothed region during the 2022 municipal election. Here's your host, Aaron Reed. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. Joining me today on the podcast is Earl Almeida. Earl is running for the position of city councillor in the October 15th municipal election. Here is what Earl submitted. Earl Almeida is originally from Toronto. A Western University grad, he has been a BC resident since 2003 and has called Powell River home for two years. He and his wife Charlotte Clemens, Max Cameron, class of 1998, have been married for 13 years and have three young children. He has a 20-year professional career in sales, leadership, and customer service working with small and medium-sized business owners. He currently remotely serves as a treasurer of his Burnaby Church and is active with Living Water here in town. He is active with the Power River Slow Pitch League, was the 2022 U5 Division Manager for the Power River Minor Baseball Association, and is looking forward to getting back into refing minor hockey games this year. Please join me in welcoming Earl Almeida. Welcome Earl Almeida to the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I thought we could just start off, if you don't mind, just telling me a little bit about yourself and, you know, growing up and stuff like that. Sure. I'm uh, originally from Toronto, so try not to hold that against me. (laughs) Uh, Been out in BC uh, since 2003, so 19 years, and uh, most of the time in the Vancouver and Burnaby area. Married a girl from Powell River almost 13 years ago now, so her family moved here 94. Okay. And uh, we've been married, yeah, 13 years. And um, two years ago, about six months into COVID, uh, we were able to move up here. I was working uh, remotely at the time, and uh, her parents were battling some health challenges. And uh, so we were able to come up for a visit for four weeks while I continued working. And we'd always talked about moving up here before. And uh, now the opportunity to bring my job with me made it a little bit more capable made it easier to do i guess right and uh yeah made the move in november just before the prices really went up in housing good so what neighborhood is it that you live in uh we're just a few minutes away from you here so oh you're um, in westview yeah it took me about four minutes um, we're just down the road from the uh, university okay yeah. yeah what made you decide to to choose that area um it was partly with what we had available at the time in terms of the marketplace and with our budget um my father-in-law lives south of town by stillwater and uh, we would have loved to have had some space and, um, you know, I, I tinker around with wood projects and stuff. So having a, a little bit of a space to do that was a goal. Um, just at the time with what were, we were able to afford and what was available in the marketplace. And, and we really kind of made from the decision to make the move up here to actually buying the place was less than a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> we came up here in the mid-August to mid-September in the last week and a half we were here. Uh, looked at a few places, um, and then went back home, didn't have anything lined up. The realtor kept sending us some stuff, and October 2nd, I think, we closed the deal and then did all the paperwork and stuff afterwards. So it was, uh, yeah, we we came up in August not expecting to make a move and not being part of the radar, and came went back home fully expecting to buy a place in, in Powell River and had that place lined up a couple weeks later, so... Wow. Yeah, it was just a matter of the the location was central. the The house kind of fit our needs, and one of the nice parts was that we didn't have to do much fixing up to it. It was actually fairly move-in ready. It wasn't uh, dated, at least, so it made it easier in terms of renovations for us to be able to move into it right away. Right. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's funny because some people, you know, it's about, about the area. And I feel like in this, the current market, the way it is, it's kind of about more of the house and hope the neighborhood's going to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we did kind of cover how you came to be in Power River. Yeah. I might have jumped ahead a bit. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so where are your favorite places to spend time within the city of Power River? Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting. I worked from home for, I guess, the first year or so I was here. And then uh, now I'm not working from home. But w- that means when I am home, I just like to work on the projects I'm working around the house. And that list never seems to end. And the, the amount of time to be able to do it uh, seems to decrease week by week as well. So, yeah, there's, there's not a few places that I'm like, this is where we hang out. I'm really just comfortable if I can be at home, be with the family, and then We'll go for, like, we live two blocks away from the Penticton Trail, so we'll go up for a hike around there, or the kids want to go to a beach of some kind. Um, so we try to mix it up a little bit, and I, I can't say there's one place that we go to probably more than anything else. Um, we like to just change it up every now and then. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you mentioned kids. You have you have children. We have three little ones, yeah. The oldest one will be uh, eight in November, and then a five and a three-year-old. Oh, so you guys have your hands full. It keeps Yeah, more so my wife, I think, but yeah, definitely keeps us busy. <laughs> Oh, actually, that would be handy where you're at, then. I'm assuming they go to Westview We Elementary? actually uh, homeschool. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. We started homeschooling even before um, we, uh, before COVID even. Uh, my daughter was kindergarten age the year of COVID, but my wife mm. had already decided to uh, to homeschool. We actually had them registered for, had her registered for school and changed gears and decided to homeschool. And uh, yeah, it's worked out really well so far. And um, so COVID was a not really an impact family life for us, except for a few less activities. Right. Um, and my wife actually is a certified teacher. She just never uh, taught in a classroom after university, but went to VIU for her education degree. So she's been able to put it to use at home hmm. and uh, just adapt the, the learning to the kids and stuff. And now our three-year-old's actually picking up things like, like no tomorrow because she's just absorbing it from the younger to the older two. Right. Well, and and having your I mean. You can't get much smaller class size than, <laughs> than three kids to one teacher, right? No, not at all. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's been great. I, I you know, growing up uh, in Toronto, homeschool was never uh, a thought in my head. My parents were both double-income family. I was an only child. And so there's definitely things in my life now that I never anticipated would be in my life when I was a kid. But uh, no regrets. It's been a blessing. So when you grew up in Toronto, you, were you in like the city center or? Right on the edge of the burbs. Okay. Um, yeah. So technically Scarborough, which is now part of the city of Toronto, but it was part of the metropolis in Toronto before. Um, so yeah, I was like literally five minutes from outside of Toronto than I was inside of Toronto, basically. So it was another half an hour to get to downtown. So Okay. But uh, technically the city of Toronto by, by geographic destinations. Right. But this life is like worlds away from... Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you know, we got what, four or five traffic lights in town. Um, <laughs> so um, even Vancouver was very different than Toronto. I always found Vancouver was not designed for moving traffic around like the city of Toronto is. Okay. But uh, no regrets of moving out here. I, I, I do still miss the snow at times. And uh, I find uh, at least when it snows, it's still sunny. Right. And uh, so, but uh, no, I love being out here. I love being even just coming up to your place today and stopping here and facing the ocean the, the uh, sunset just kind of wrapping up now the three or four colors in the sky is just gorgeous to see that every day yeah we have the best sunsets i, I hear we have some decent sunrises some places but i'm never up for those <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get to the mountaintops for those yeah exactly <laughs> 
So what is it that made you decide to put your name in for city council? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Three months ago, I probably wouldn't say, say this wasn't even on the radar. Um, I knew there was an election coming up, and that was about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably, in fact, actually for the first year and a bit that we were here, we kind of isolated ourselves. And more so, um, my mother-in-law uh, just passed earlier this year from ALS, was one of the reasons why we made the move up here. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough loss. And, um, you know, but it uh, her health and then COVID kind of gave us a couple of reasons to be here, and it's something we were kind of had in the back of her mind for a while. So a bit of a blessing in terms of that and being able to be closer to her for her last uh, year or so. But uh, because of the ALS, we couldn't chance any sort of bug. Uh, COVID wasn't even a concern. It was just more so any sort of flu bug or whatever. Because if any of our family got it, then we couldn't go visit and, and right. spend any time with her. So we, uh, yeah, we kind of kept ourselves um, a little bit more isolated for that little while. Yeah, and then she passed uh, earlier this year, so that kind of opened up the possibility to just doing a few more things and um, getting the kids more involved and us getting more involved and got involved with the local church instead of being remote for a while. Mm. Yeah, so somehow in June, July, I just thought, let's go to a council meeting. Can't even remember why I did, but I think maybe on the back of my mind, I was like, that might be something that I could get involved with, but I hadn't really thought much about it, so... Went to a couple of council meetings in July and August, and, and the one thing I noticed more than anything else was that uh, the council, the demographic of council, maybe didn't fully reflect the demographic of the community. Okay. Um, and we've got a growing community. You know, I saw that I worked on the census last year, and our population number like five percent growth over the five years of the last census, or six percent in the five years of the last census, and 0.1 percent in the previous five years before that. And so the the population's grown, the the demographic has grown, but the council, uh, nothing against them, yeah, um, great people, but they just probably didn't ref- reflect the demographic. And so I kind of thought about it for a little while and said, could I make this work? I still don't know if I can make it work. I'll figure that out if I win. Right. But uh, I just felt you know be the solution you want to be, um, and or be the solution you want to see, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I thought let's uh, give this a shot and see what we can do. What issues are top of mind for you as you come into the election? You know, it's interesting because I, I literally put the application in the morning of the 9th, the, la- the last day. Um, I heard your podcast, your first one, when you when you applied a couple of years ago for mayor. And it, it wasn't as close as that, but uh, I definitely like started filling it out, I think, 10 o'clock the night before. Um, and so it's been a whirlwind the last 10 days of getting involved with this. And, and I'd say up until now, I hadn't really thought much about it. And so I'm, I'm coming in with it, uh, coming into the campaign almost, I'd like to think, unbiased in many ways, because I haven't really looked into a lot of the current events. I know of them. Uh, of course, you, you have to be oblivious to not know of what's going on. Yeah. But I also haven't, I haven't jumped into it fully yeah. and immersed myself. And um, so it leaves me open to ask more questions, get more information. I know the name change is going to be a, a topic for many people. I know the fire hall is going to be a, a major topic for a lot of people. And I still have a lot of questions about those things. And I am i haven't decided either way on, on any of those topics yet. I haven't even decided who I'm voting for yet. You know, I've gotten to know a few of the candidates, but uh, a lot of it is still open. And I think that's what I'm going to bring to this the most is to ask the questions as to why are we doing this and I find in some cases when you've done something a certain way, many times people only look at doing it that way. 
Yeah. Um, I think you know my my whole focus is let's come in with a fresh voice and a fresh set of eyes and uh, see what we can do to provide maybe just a different perspective. And uh, I'll, it'll be a learning curve along the way. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to it though. <laughs> uh, I like new challenges, and I, I've always liked to get involved and see what uh, what impact I can provide or what I can help to do things differently uh, along the way. So that brings me to, is there any certain strengths that you feel you possess that would be really useful and helpful to have around the council chambers? Uh, I'd like to think I'm a compassionate listener in terms of you know seeking to understand before being understood and trying to understand where's that other person coming from. And... Uh, coming up with a, a solution of some kind that's going to as much as possible be a win-win for everyone and think in politics that might not be as easily attained as possible but i think in some ways maybe not everyone tries to attain it at times too and uh, so i'm going to really focus on on yeah what could be the best alternatives that's that's going to be best for the greater uh, population not going to please everyone and we know that for a fact yeah. But uh, what can we do to be as successful as possible in, in getting the, the best result for the, the greater population that we're serving? And then that leads to, if we get what exactly what you're talking about and what I like to see in, in any elected body is a good variety of people around the table, often then what happens is there's conflict. Mm-hmm. How do you go about resolving or dealing with conflict? Ideally head on. You know, I don't like to do it in a public forum. So if I've got an issue with someone that's an internal issue, I can pull them aside and, and have that conversation with them. I don't see a need to to, to call someone out, I guess, in, in a public space. Uh, especially I feel like council, even if it's a team of seven people or individuals, seven individuals, they still form a, a team as council. And there are times when they should be a united front and other times when they're going to have those discussions and then a decision is going to be made that some people on that team are not going to be in favor of but as a council that was passed as a council and i think there's times where you have to represent the council more than yourself and times and you stand up for yourself so when issues come up yeah let's have those conversations let's take a second to step outside and and discuss that a little bit more and again going back to that seek to understand because i'm not i don't know all the answers yeah um, but i'm eager to learn them. Okay. our youth aren't able to vote mm-hmm. uh, however they are an important part of our community we have little for them to do outside of sports arts and outdoor activities and many teens and young adults aren't into those things Do you have any ideas of ways we can address the lack of spaces for teens and young adults to hang out and be better supported? Oh, interesting. That is a good question. One that I haven't put much uh, thought into. Working in the retail environment, I have seen the uh, result sometimes of a lack of activities. And then that's come to light most uh, recently in the last couple of weeks. I've also spent some times in other smaller towns in, um, in other cities. In Ontario, I can think of a couple towns that I spent some time in that that were similar situations. And uh, I'm gonna have to put a little bit more thought into that too. Yeah, and probably even just trying to engage. I know there's some youth-driven organizations here in town that uh, probably two weeks ago, I, I wasn't as aware of those organizations either. So right. um, again, going back to asking the right, asking the questions to the people involved and try to figure out, hey, what would work? Right. And, and where there could be some opportunities, whether it's some um, uh, community youth groups or maybe some sort of 
uh, you know, community social club or something like that that would um, appeal to the demographic, but it's also got to cater to a wide, somewhat wide geographic area as well too, so that you know it can be easily uh, traveled to, not dependent on parents to commute uh, their children children all the time too. Right. Yeah. And so that that question actually came directly from youth. I yeah. did ask youth, and that was one of the top topics that came. Um, and because you're relatively newer to the area, yeah, the history is our our mall used to be open till nine o'clock on Friday nights and mm. things like that. So now there's just really nowhere. You know, we used to have a pool hall and an arcade that yep. when I was a kid we hung out there. It's just a safe indoor dry place to be, yeah. right? And not open on Sundays anymore either. Too, right. right. So, so yeah. So th- th- I mean. Really, their options are to go party at the beach. That's kind of where they're at. So next question. Have you read the 94 Calls to Action put out by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada? And how do you think our city is doing with regard to truth and reconciliation? I haven't read the 94, um, or one of the 94 either. I've uh, kept myself um, briefly aware of some of the topics. Um, I feel like steps are being taken with a lot of the reconciliation with the community, um, I guess, accord, for lack of a better word, between the, the city, the district, and, and the Talaman people. And, of course, now they've got the um, joint working group on, on the name change matter as well. So, um, again, it's one of those things that, since I've just recently decided to, to run, I haven't spent a lot of time looking at that. And my energy right now has been put towards actually campaigning. Right. Uh, but uh, those are matters that, yeah, as this uh, campaign period comes to an end, I'll have to dive a little bit more into and, and get caught up pretty fast. Okay. And one major concern of electors is rising taxes. Mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas on how taxation can be held without cutting current services? That's definitely a focal point that I'd want to look at because both my taxes and my mortgage have gone up since I've been over here. And uh, one of those things that, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, I've spent some time, I'm currently the treasurer of a, my former church in Burnaby. I've spent time in my past working with small business owners and looking at that exact same thing. It was like, how can we get more for less? How can we cut some expenses that uh, we might be overspending in? And how can we uh, get more out of the, the revenue that we have? Um, so little different with the city budget, of course, but I haven't had the chance to, to look at those numbers yet. But that's something that intrigues me. Mm-hmm. I see certain construction projects at times, and, and I have questions. And one of the things I'll, I'll be bringing, should I be elected, is some of those questions in terms of just understanding what's make what made the decision for XYZ or from certain contractor to this contractor, and, and how can we better serve our community and, and our, our budget. And uh, also, ideally, yeah, let's not continue to raise our taxes if we can, even though the the rates of uh, appraisals are going up. You know, we can't uh, just price out our, our own people. Right. You did touch on this subject, but the proposed spending for the new emergency services building is another contentious topic right mm-hmm. now. Uh, where do you stand on the emergency services building? Still, um, you know... I did go to the open house last week. I was very uh, curious. I was actually surprised how few people were at the open house. And then I heard your interview with the fire chief from a few months ago where they did an open house a few months ago and only had one person. So I feel like there's, just from my loose feeling of the community, I feel like there's a lot of contention on the issue, but not a lot of diving in to understand the issue. 
you know, from, from what I've gathered so far, they're in a, in a building that's 28 years, no, sorry, 50 plus years old. They've been in it for 28 years and it's a small building. And uh, I've heard that you've spent some time working over there as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, and even the uh, the operations manager told me like the, the truck leaves the building and she feels the building shake. That's not a good thing. Yeah. At a minimum, yeah, we need to have a seismic thing. I can understand, um, you know, again, going back to that seek to understand, I, I can understand the community's concern over money, um, especially coming out of a pandemic. And, and I actually said this to the fire chief uh, last week, like had this uh referendum on the on the fire hall been done in the last election versus this election after two year two and a half years of covid there might be a completely different response to the to the questionnaire or to the question and now that it's two and a half years of covid it probably is bringing up other issues that people are just a little tighter with money than they were a couple years back but at the same time yeah this is a it's an important part of our city and i I think partly it's whether it's done now or done four years from now, it needs to get done probably, you know, from what I've seen so far. So, and it's only become more expensive over the last 20 years. Yeah. So the longer we hold out, the bigger the number just becomes. From what I've seen so far, it seems to be the the lesser of two evils would be to say, let's get this done. It's either way we do it, it's going to be like ripping off a Band-Aid and it's not going to be a fun process. And yes, we're spending more money than we want to spend but at some point you do have to spend it i'm actually more more interested and intrigued with what happens to that building after we we build a new fire hall and because there's you know i've heard in council meetings that i've been listening to is is like a talk of uh, city-owned housing or a lack of housing in the community and, and there's just a lot of empty buildings that we have sitting around that uh don't look pretty when they're empty yeah and so that would be more my thought too is like it's one thing to to build and improve our city. Is what do we do with the, the existing structures that are there, and how can we um, how can we improve on those as well and, and make the most use? Because we got a lot of empty spaces as well. We do, yeah. Which yeah, you just touched on that too. <laughs> affordable housing. So, do you think there's a role that council can play in helping with affordable housing, or is that sort of out of their wheelhouse? I'd like to think there there can be a way, you know, and there, there seems to be some good discussion so far from the current council on uh, taking those steps to, to do that, not knowing enough about how, you know, affordable housing could work. I, I'm going to have to learn a lot about it, but I'd like to think that there can be a way to do it. And, you know, the housing market and the influx of population has caused uh, longtime residents to maybe be priced out in this area. And I felt that even in, in Vancouver, moving up here, I never owned in Vancouver because we couldn't afford to own. And moving up here, my mor- my mortgage is cheaper than my rent was in Burnaby, and huh. um, significantly. And um, so it, it yeah it pains me to see that there's there's locals that are are feeling that pinch now when it's always been an affordable place all this time. So I'd like to think we can make those decisions or at least point things in the right direction to to make it work. I don't know the answer to how best we can do it, but I'd like to think there's a possibility. If, if there's a will, there's a way. Good. And then that leads into crime. For me, growing up here, Powell River was always a really safe place yeah. to be. But over the last few years, it's it's not felt so good to a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially the petty crime and the theft and, and definitely drugs and, and overdose issues. 
So do you see council having a part to play in dealing with the crime issue that's come up? I think that's a a bigger hurdle to climb, maybe from a council perspective. I, I think there's going to be discussions and opportunities, but you're we're also dealing with, well, maybe, you know, I think one of the contentious issues is what other facilities and amenities are being brought in to help support people who are trying to rehabilitate. And maybe some of those people are not necessarily trying to rehabilitate. And I think there's a big call out there from some community that some of these centers are maybe causing more harm than good. So from a council perspective, there might be some opportunities there to reduce any sort of expansion on those lines until we've got some other things settled out. And then the other challenge, of course, is making outcries to government, to the larger governments who are the ones that impose the or create the the laws that we have to live by in terms of uh, punishments for crime. And I think those are things that are outside of council's hands, but as a council, they can speak for the citizens of Powell River and say, hey, there's certain things happening because of this law or that law. We can't control that law, but we're writing to you as representatives of the city because that law is impacting our, our locals in certain ways. And and so can council change it? Maybe not, but can they use their voice uh, as a representation of the city? Then, yeah, there's opportunities to help out over there. And then this is actually my last my last official question. Okay. And you also touched on this very briefly. It's like I read your notes or something. But it's yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's the doozy. So I left the big one for last. The name change situation. Yeah. What's your position on that one? Yeah, name change. Whew. That's a tough one. You know, like I said, I grew up in Toronto. I saw an article last year sometime where one of the longest streets in Toronto has been approved to be name changed. I didn't know until that article that the that street was a named after someone i was just oblivious i guess um and b didn't know the impact that that person had had negative impact that that person had had. but then the price tag of that change they estimated to be about 600 million whoa because that is a made like a street almost goes east to west across the entire city there are four three or four subway stations with that name of that street in it plus all the countless businesses and street signs up it's a big road One, one of the biggest in toronto And then I look at our city here, and I look at it as we live in a community. So it's a smaller town. The the estimates that the city's currently provided, if a change were to happen, is is not nearly as significant, thank goodness. But then I also look at it as the name of that street probably impacted very few people in terms of the the pain it might have caused the First Nations community. Not to say it was any less, it's just that it was a street name and... To be honest, growing up in Toronto, I don't remember being as close to anybody of First Nations background. I grew up in a very multicultural school. I think our school said we had like 14, 15 uh, cultures in every class on average out of like 25, 30 people. But First Nations wasn't one that I came across that often that I can recall. Hmm. So I feel like the, the name of the street probably didn't impact as many people. At least I didn't experience that impact. But now we're talking about the name of a town where our direct neighbors feel that impact a little bit more. And so I, I relate to the two of them very differently, um, where I, I almost feel like the Toronto is a, is a big cost for how much of an impact is it making. Our Changing our town name is a, is a cost, and it's uh, probably more so going to affect the businesses that have the, the current name in their town, in their business name, mm-hmm. um, and the impact there. But at the same time, I'd like to think, like, if, if you have a neighbor or a friend or family member that's, 
deeply hurt by something and you have an opportunity to change that is at least can we look into it right can you explore all the things right and and again it goes back to it can we get a win-win solution for this i, I don't know if we can it's going to be a a challenging one because it's, it's a very divisive divisive topic right now mm-hmm. um it's, it's going to take some time i just want to make sure going even back to our financial topic of even taxes it's not necessary it might be tax related but if we're spending money whether it's a thousand dollars or one hundred fifty thousand dollars, are we spending it in the best way possible? You know, I look at Toronto and changing that name is six hundred million dollars. Is that the best way to spend that money? Then again, Justin Trudeau ran an election last year for six hundred million dollars. Was that the best way to spend that money? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that that's really I, you know having those discussions, being a little bit more open minded to what could the possibilities be. You know. Is there a compromise somewhere along the lines to to bring the division a little closer because it's it's becoming a divisive issue and, and that's not great for our community, um, but we uh, hopefully can support all of our local brothers and sisters whether they live in Pell River or they live in Cathet that uh, we are one community we are one little isolated community and uh, we all got to work together. And that's actually the end of my questions and we still have time. So is there anything you wanted to talk about? I think the biggest thing, like if if uh, people work with me and they get to know me, I'd like to think that they find someone who's who's easy to work with. Who I go above and beyond trying to get a solution that's a, a good solution. I I currently work in an environment where I'm dealing with customer service. I've actually 20 years of my life have been in customer service. In most cases, I have gone to my customers. I've gone. I've been in direct sales and, and B2B sales, and and so I've gone and found those customers, but. I always aim to provide more service than I get paid for. That's what I, I try to pride myself on. And I, and I do the same thing to this day. So if a customer comes in and they have a problem that I can solve, uh, maybe it takes a little bit more effort. Maybe I need to make a few more phone calls or some emails. Um, I'm going to do that extra effort to find that answer and try to do it in as timely manner as possible. Sometimes things are out of my control and, and, and uh, it's one of my pet peeves when Emails aren't responded to in, in somewhat of a timely manner uh, with it, without an acknowledgement. But um, I, I really feel like, you know, we if I can be a service to someone, that'll come back to me tenfold some other time somewhere else. And if I can connect the dots or connect two people to be able to serve each other, uh, then I want to do that. And it goes back to those, those win-win solutions. It's like, how can I help someone through the community and then pay it forward and they can help someone else? that's kind of my motivation here is like i just feel like i've i've been in service most of my life in some way or form whether it's through work whether it's through my church whether it's through sporting activities i've been involved with i i enjoy serving i enjoy finding solutions and enjoy improving the the uh, arena or the avenue that i might be involved with and and leave it in a better place um so politics is a new a new vehicle for me. Never thought it'd be there, but yeah, if I if I can do this, if I can be involved, then I'd like to think that in four years' time I can leave our city in a better place. Uh, whether I choose to uh, continue down that path or not will we'll be uh, determined at that point. Uh, but for now, it's just something that, hey, I'm, this is my home now, and uh, I'm far away from Toronto. I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. And uh, so if I'm going to be here in a small community, I want to try and see if I can um, make the most of my time here and provide the most back to the community and and uh, help others the same way. That's nice. Mm. 
in the the few flyers that I've printed out so far, and eventually I'll start getting out to the neighborhood. It's it's been like, hey, I don't have all the answers, and and I think as a, as a council of seven, my assumption is and my understanding is you're still only one vote, and so I can come in with all the greatest, even if I was a tenured you know veteran politician, I could say this 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 and this. The fact of the matter is I'm still one of seven people on that council. Yeah. And I I could come with all the great ideas, but yeah, I, I'm not there yet. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fluff my way through. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's not. We'll find out. Right. But I'm just gonna be upfront and honest and say, Yeah, I don't know all the answers right now, but give me some time and I'll learn them or tell me what are the questions I, that are on your mind. Right. You know, let me let me hear your questions. Let me bring my own questions. And then let's get some answers that are going to work. And how can we, how can we get the best solution? You know, and or is there a best solution? What what is there to do? Right? Or where are we, where are we going? Like you know, where like I, I do find it interesting. Like I've seen my road got re redone last year, and then of course the Wildwood Bridge is being worked on right now. And what I'm puzzled by, and I, and again I haven't looked into why this is. Yeah other than cost, is why we're bringing people from out of town. And it's like, there's people in town that need jobs. And we have a population that could probably support some of these jobs. And yet I saw the guys working there. They're from Kelowna. They're, they spend a week or two here. They, they go away. And and I'm just intrigued. Intrigued by it enough that I want to ask more questions. Right. You know? But until a month or two ago, I wasn't intrigued enough. Now, <laughs> I'm at a point where, okay, now I'm intrigued enough. So once this, and even if I don't win, I'll, uh, and, and, and if I'm not sitting on council, I'll probably find a way to keep that intriguement going to, to start asking questions and, and maybe making more of a presence. Um, because I, I don't mind putting my name out. I don't mind stepping up and answering, asking a question. Even the, the second council meeting I went to in July, I was like, ah, this, like, this seems weird. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up because it was on the, um, we did the survey on the speed speed limits. Oh, yeah. And some of the council members were like, the survey didn't ask this question, which the survey did. And the CAO confirmed that it was in the question. I was like, if you guys had a problem with the questionnaire in the first place, why'd you release it? So it's just, I'll ask the questions, you know, and, and maybe it's a question because I'm just ignorant. That could happen at times. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a question because I'm like, I'm just going to see it from a different perspective and help me get closer to where you are or let's get closer to the middle because maybe we just need to look at it a different way fair enough yeah, yeah. So. well thank you so much for coming and spending the time with me today and and letting listeners get to know you a little bit better so that uh you know they have a better perspective on on who you are yeah and thanks for thanks for like putting the extra effort into doing this like 21 candidates in a, in a three four week period is not easy to do it's a lot and, uh, so <laughs> appreciate the, the you going out of your way to, to do this and i have enjoyed your podcast over the last week or so so now i'm subscribed oh great you know, until until a week ago i didn't even know it was an option <laughs> um that uh, that you had that podcast going on so um but i i bike to work um 10 15 minutes each way so it's good to have something to to listen to, something a little different than just the Blue Jays all the time. So it'd be nice to uh, to hear a little bit more. And it's been great getting to uh, to know some more more of the community members, so especially being two years in. Yeah, um, I feel like I've I've gone to know more people over the last three months in just terms of the, the community environment than I did for the first eighteen months I was here. 
Well, if mm. nothing else, putting your name in for election will sure get you out in the community and meeting people. Totally. So, yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's been a fun ride, and the next few weeks are going to be uh, going to be a heck of a ride for sure. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it, and and we'll see what happens as the, at the end of the road. Well, thank you so Is much. It? Thanks so much. And this concludes this episode of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed, featuring Mr. Earl Almeida. If you'd like some more information on Earl, you can find him on the internet at www.voteforearl.ca. That's www.vote4 as in the number four. E-A-R-L dot C-A. He's also available on Facebook at Vote for Earl. That's V-O-T-E four, as in the number four, E-A-R-L. Until next time, this is Aaron Reed. Thank you for listening to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. For more interviews, visit CoastalCurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Thanks again for listening.